0: You're listening Listening. to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: First Financial Bank has more than 80 years of combined pharmacy experience on their team, including pharmacists, current and former owners. They know community pharmacy. Their high-touch model separates them from everyone else and means your lender is your primary contact from application to closing. FFB knows every situation is unique and they want to know your story a national lender and approved to offer SBA products under SBA's Preferred Lender Program with many resources from podcasts, calculators, business plan guides, and buying, selling, starting assessments. Learn more at ffb1.com or on social media at Pharmacy Lender. On behalf of everyone at First Financial Bank, thank you for all you do for your patients and communities. First Financial Bank, Equal Housing Lender.
2: pharmacy podcast nation. Welcome back. Uh, This is part three of a three-part series that we've done with First Financial Bank. They focus on lending for independently owned community pharmacies and other business of pharmacy, including uh, veterinarian businesses. And we've had the opportunity to interview several of their executives over the years. Uh, First Financial has been an amazing partner of the Pharmacy Podcast Network and really bringing us content that's very specific to the business of pharmacy and as you're if you're a pharmacy operator really understanding where to go for information about expanding your business buying new locations um, being able to survive during this crazy pandemic with um, with how um, you need to be partnered with the right organizations to kind of get you over um, those uh, those hard times. And I have two really interesting uh, guests today that I want to announce. We do have a pharmacy over owner, Mr. Trent Moore, and a um, uh, one of the team members of First Financial Bank um, loan officer in the pharmacy division, Mr. Bo Garman. Welcome to the pharmacy podcast, gentlemen.
1: Thanks, Thanks John. Looking forward to it.
2: Trent, I'm going to start out with you because you're my hero, uh, my number one healthcare provider in the space. And I've been in healthcare now since 2004 from the technology sector. Started this podcast in 2009 because there was nothing for me to listen to as I was driving an hour and a half to the Pittsburgh International Airport about our business, about the business of pharmacy. And I have learned the impact that pharmacists make on healthcare really to help solve that $300 billion issue that we have with non-adherence and how pharmacists are tackling things that the layperson out there, community people out there, they just don't realize what pharmacists are doing for the healthcare system. And you own five pharmacies, um, which is just amazing. So I wanna hear, how did you get into the business of of pharmacy Trent right from the beginning?
0: All right, Todd, so I'm going to go back to probably 2003 is when I got into the pharmacy business. I had actually owned a business for eight years or so prior to getting in the pharmacy business that had nothing to do with pharmacy. And back in 2003, my brother-in-law had been approaching me for a while to come to work for him. And at that point in time, he owned five pharmacies. He had just bought his dad and his dad's partner out of four stores and then just acquired a, another additional store probably in early 2003, late 2002. So at that point in time in current field that I was in, I was working around 80 hours a week, which i still work around 80 hours a week now, but I was working around 80 hours a week. My little boy was probably three years old and I didn't, I wasn't home very often. I didn't really get to see him. And this was going to allow me a little bit more freedom to do some of those things. So we talked back and forth, David and I did, and then after probably six months of talking about it, I decided yes, I would I would go to work with him. And knowing absolutely at that point in time, I knew nothing about the pharmacy business. So I literally started from the ground up in the pharmacy business to learn it from knowing nothing to now becoming an owner of five stores. So fast forward through that time, and David's company, I became I was the director of operations and vice president of the corporation. And probably during that course in time, I'm going to say we probably grew to 18 stores during that during the course of between 2003 and 2016 era. We we probably grown to there. And then some of the stores were startups that didn't didn't work out, but we tried and. It, we had to uh, eventually close those lo- a few of those locations. Back in 2016, Walgreens approached David about buying a few of his stores and being a part of those conversations with him and talking to him, I decided that this is something that I always knew that I wanted to do, and this was a good opportunity for me at this point in time to explore buying these five locations so after many discussions with my wife which she was all for all for it and completely backed me in my decision of what i wanted to do and ultimately her decision also but she she backed me and what, what i wanted to do i was able to come to an agreement with david for those five stores which i was very comfortable with buying those five locations i i knew everyone every staff member at that location i I knew them i was confident in in the abilities that we had and what we could do and i also knew that by me stepping in and buying those five locations i was going to allow all of those people to keep their jobs and we were also going to be able to continue to provide the services that we are known for in in our rural areas and some of those areas had walgreens come in and bought those stores it might have been in Situation where there would have they would have created some pharmacy deserts probably in a few of those areas, but fortunately, I was able to work with Bo and work with First Financial Bank and get those five locations bought.
2: That's a great story, Trent. And I understand that pharmacists and pharmacies out there in the communities are providing coverage, healthcare coverage in ways that primary care physicians that see their patients and then implement a treatment, that patient goes out to their pharmacy to begin those prescriptions, begin those treatments, and they're seeing their pharmacy 10 times more than that primary care physician. And the spread out rural areas of America that don't have enough health care services, it's that community pharmacy that's in the place that's, that's acting as that really that health care hub So when I think of Mioga, Save More, and Toledo Pharmacy, and Brown's Drug, and Martinsville Pharmacy, and the Pharmacy Shop, that's five very specific communities that you're that hub of healthcare for them. And I just want to hear from you as a pharmacy operator and someone who's expanding their business, what is that number one, that number one service that you're providing to your patients and all five of those communities that you see similar in in every uh, store that you're running?
0: Well, Todd, I'm sure it's much like other independent pharmacy owners, it, it's customer service. And our pharmacists or our technicians or our clerks from any aspect of any part of our store, we're, we're never too distant from our customers. We, I want everyone in our store to be able to have access to the customers when the customers need access to us. And you are spot on with what you just said there. In our communities where our stores are located, we're the only pharmacy in most of those communities except for one. And and most of those people in those communities, they seek our pharmacists out for a lot of their healthcare information. And I love that, I think it's awesome. I, I love that our communities Rely on us for that information and we're able to provide it. It's just there's nothing better than helping people and we are there to help every single one of our customers. in every way that we can on any given day some some customers come in two or three times a week some come in just to get their refills, but whatever their needs are I I feel that we are always there to provide service for their needs.
2: Bo, when I hear a pharmacy owner a pharmacist out there caring for their patients and the impact that that's having on, on community health. And uh, another, another term that's come up that's become a science and that is the term population health and how populations that aren't getting the care that they need, it's impacting the economy of those communities. And when I think of you, Bo, and I think of first financial bank, you, you're actually the pharmacist for your customers. You're caring for your customers from a financial perspective. the The lifeblood of a business is that is that revenue that's coming through. It's the management of finances. It's the It's the whole world there. And to be able to set up a pharmacy operator with the needed capital that they must have in order to continue to expand and grow and serve their communities that's special. So that's why I've been very uh, proud to represent First Financial Bank through the through the podcast, but talk about your experience, Bo, as a lender that needs to be laser focused uh, within the business of pharmacy.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think there's a lot of synergies there with, with what Trent just talked about and serving communities. I mean, you know, ultimately, we, while we serve, you know, the nation, um, And our coverage map, as far as uh, you know, lending territories. At the heart of what we do, we are a community bank, Um, and so you know, I think when we work through the processes there, you know, there's a lot, a lot of things that align there. Uh, So you know, ultimately, it's very rewarding um, in in working with people like Trent and, and other people to to realize that dream of ownership, and you know, a lot of times that. That takes some uh, financial partners to, to get there. Um, and understanding uh, the business and the industry, I think, goes a long way. just because a lot of times there's some, um, you know, one of the struggles or obstacles that you, you come when trying to get financing to, to buy an independent pharmacy is what we're buying is a lot of, of goodwill or, or patient files. Uh, and that's where, you know, a lot of uh, banks or lending institutions kind of kind of have some trouble because there's not a lot of hard collateral there. Um, and, and we understand that piece of it. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, we're we're, we're basing our credit decision on, on cash flow and and the and really the, the ability of that potential uh, borrower or, or business owner to, to operate and run that business.
2: That's a good point, Bo, because the average bank that doesn't deal specifically with pharmacy really doesn't understand the pay cycles, doesn't understand the world of the wholesaler. The first person that I knew before he became involved with First Financial Bank was Larry Alexander and his background in wholesale really set him up to really be a conduit and an expert in the business of pharmacy and kind of leading Uh, the different things that he now does with his own clients in pharmacy ownership and understanding that business. So I think that makes a huge impact. And Trent, I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective as an operator, how did you find out about first financial bank in the first place?
0: I had seen their booth set up at a few trade shows that I had attended. And then at the time our Cardinal rep, he mentioned through this process of Dave and I talking and working towards me buying these five locations from him he mentioned to reach out to First Financial Bank so I mean wholesalers are very aware of First Financial Bank and I mean, their presence at the trade shows also just stopping by their booth and talking to them and gathering information and and whatnot it helped me along that way
2: yeah, it's amazing to think of the disruption to a business. I've always heard from pharmacy owners, they say the number one disruption is changing your pharmacy management system and number two is changing your wholesaler. <laughs> so I can imagine the the... The, the, uh, the impact to any pharmacy business and Pharmacy Podcast Network has worked with Cardinal before and covering their show and McKesson and Amerisource Bergen and, and even uh, back in the day, some of the, the regional players and, and the wholesaler, geez, oh man, the, the relationship that, that you have is, is critical and then to be able to have a, a financial provider and a financial partner that understands that sector of pharmacy business and how that wholesaler operates with you and even communicating with the wholesaler um, through um, through purchasing decisions and expansion, that 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 partnership is key, just under, understanding that.
0: Well, Todd, I can speak to that firsthand from both because we have since I've acquired these five locations. We have gone through a wholesaler change. And then most recently, within the last 90 days, we just switched over to Pioneer software system and all of our pharmacies. And they those are huge disruptions during that amount of time. But the benefits will pay dividends in the long run for doing both of them.
2: So talk to me about the process. When you expanded with mioga save more and toledo and brown's drug and the other two pharmacies that that you purchased kind of explain how first financial bank assisted you after the closing and even with this pandemic let's get into the ppp loans too
0: okay after after the closing on those five locations uh, bo was never distant from it i mean There was always there questions I had of different aspects of things that would come up, and I could always reach out to Bo or anyone at First Financial, for that matter, and get the answer that I needed in a timely manner. And I never felt like I was, well, there's no such thing as a dumb question, but sometimes you feel like you're asking a question that, might be interpreted that way on the other side and there was there was never that response from first financial bank first financial bank was always there with with the answer for the question and the direction and how to move forward with that particular question or the answer that was given and then during this pandemic time when the discussion first started from the government on the ppp loans first financial bank was the first place that i reached out to so i reached out directly to Bo in regards to what was going to be needed, and what that looked like from their perspective. During the infancy stages that, as we all know, the PPP process changed tremendously from beginning to end, and it was was very liquid throughout the whole process. And throughout that whole time, I could reach out to Bo. I could email him, text him, call him, whatever the case may be, and he was always there with an answer and a very straightforward, honest answer, whether it was, Trent, here's what's going on, or, Trent, I really don't know. This might change tomorrow, but here's what we're looking at today. But Bo was always forthcoming and and providing any of those answers that I needed throughout that. And Then when it came time to apply for the PPP loans and get funding for that, I worked through that with First Financial Bank. and, and Just like just like my the loan when I bought the five locations, they were right there every step of the way to be able to help help with help through the process and facilitate it and then now work through the on the part of the loan that'll be forgiven of making sure that paper the proper paperwork is processed and the documents that they need are able to be provided.
2: Bo, why does the PPP loan process just seem to be so complex? Because I'm a small business owner, too, and I did look into it, and um, I should have had the help of First Financial Bank because um, <laughs> mine didn't actually even work out the way that I thought it would. But why has that been such a, a complex, um, complex subject?
1: Uh, it, it's just a it's a... It's a... Uh, ever evolving process and there's so many changes and until you know I think a lot of it you know things get leaked and and uh, you know applications get sent out and then you know they change so we were uh, I know maybe some people were a little frustrated with us but we were very diligent and uh, not rolling out anything or letting people apply until uh, we had all the guidance that we needed from from the Treasury, from the SBA, and, and right now, as we speak, you know, we're still waiting on, uh, you know, what the forgiveness piece of it looks like. Again, there's there's a lot of information out there, but until it's solidified, you know, we're we're being very diligent not to not to um, roll that out until until we're prepared. But uh, you know, I think once we got to the point we were comfortable in, in rolling that out. Uh, and set our processes internally. Um, we were we were very good about getting money out um, once you know once the applications are in and, and received and they were in good order. You know, checks were going out or wires were going out the next day. Um, but uh, it was it was definitely a challenging time around here. There were a lot of uh, uh, people, uh, you know, eighteen twenty hour days going on, and uh, you know this my my phone was ringing. 50, 75 times a day sometimes, you know? So it was, uh, and and, and along with all the, you know, the things that were going on uh, with the economy and the country and the pandemic, uh, you know, stress levels were high, but, uh, you know, I think we ultimately did a, a good job of getting through it.
2: Trent, if a pharmacy owner, pharmacy operator is listening or someone who wants to purchase their first pharmacy or even expand their their community with another pharmacy. What's your recommendation from a lender's perspective? Why are you um, a customer of First Financial Bank? What what important aspect of choosing a lender can you give advice to um, an existing owner or or a future owner?
0: Um, I would say their service levels are the number one character. I mean, whether it was speaking to Bo or Bo's assistants, they, kind of like how I described our stores, where I'm big on customer service. I, I want us to be able to provide the best service that we can to our customers, no matter no matter the situation. And there's always going to be situations where you might be frustrated or, or that that day might not be your best day, but that doesn't carry over to your customers, I felt like I always got that response from first financial no matter as I say no matter the question, no matter the circumstance, whether it was Bo or his assistant, I always felt like they were working with me towards where we were going at the end, and it was never a it was never a short conversation or it was never a situation that i was a I was a bother or a hindrance to them. It was always here's what we need. Here's what we need. Here's how we need to work towards that. And the information that they needed was upfront and straightforward. And then the service levels were, they were excellent.
2: That's awesome to hear. Um, I'm a fan of, uh, organizations that really step up in in service community pharmacies because I understand the impact that that's going to have on the community, keep them thriving and moving forward. Trent, this is a hard time in, in pharmacy land. I know that um, you know, even family members and friends of mine, they know I'm in the business of pharmacy. That's all I talk about. Sometimes I, I try not to talk about it because I think I bore people that aren't in the insides. Um, but they have asked questions. They're like, is, is this now a time that, that pharmacy is thriving? And I'm like, well, It depends. I mean, there's a volume of of attention that's needed. There's much more questions that are coming from the community. There's probably more uh, foot traffic that are coming in the door. But if you're churning 300, 600, 1200 prescriptions a day and the reimbursements aren't there and the the strangeness of of how the model works with with pharmacy benefit management, and we all know that game, it, it really can... Drive up volume, but not giving the necessary revenue in place to really keep pharmacies operating and going. Trent, what do you think the COVID nineteen coronavirus? How do you think that's going to change the business of community pharmacy moving forward?
0: I think, as a whole, it, it actually it's going to drive more people to their community pharmacies. But Todd, I mean, you are exactly right. I mean, we, you can your business can grow immensely, but if your reimbursements aren't there on the other end, the the growth is is good, but it can be costly at the same time. Depending on depending on your base of what you're looking at for your customers, and I feel like during this COVID time or the pandemic time, it people are in rural communities where we're situated. Our pharmacies and our pharmacists are the go-to people for a lot of a lot of what our customers are, even new customers that we've gotten during this time period where they've come in, they've asked questions, and we've been able to provide the answers or the information that they were looking for. And it was almost in some of those communities, it provided, you could see it was like a, it brought peace to some people where our pharmacies were a place where if they had a question, they could go talk because people were – not really scared of going to the doctor, but I think they associated some of the doctors and some of the clinics where they might be able to, to not be as free with their answers. And whereas you can walk right into our pharmacy and our pharmacist is there to be able to provide the answers and the information that you're looking for. But I think it's gonna push people to their community pharmacy during this time and hopefully going forward and they're gonna realize how important those people are in their communities and the, the knowledge and the information that they have to give.
2: I want the listeners if you're a pharmacy owner, if you're a pharmacist that works in a big huge national chain and you want to own a pharmacy someday, I want you to reach out to the First Financial Bank team. Uh, they they have an entire division that focuses strictly on pharmacy. Uh, go to ffb1. That's the number 1 ffb1.com. Uh, in our show notes, we're going to have some specific links um, about uh, lending and about pharmacy and about the uh, podcast series and what this team dedicates uh, to the the business of pharmacy and community pharmacy owners. Trent, I want to thank you for, for joining us on this interview because... Hearing from a pharmacy operator and owner about what's necessary to carry us forward once again is so critical to population health and community health. So I, I thank you so much for participating in this today. Thank you, Todd. Oh, thank you so much for being a champion of our community pharmacies out there and, and what you are doing with the First Financial Bank Pharmacy Lending Division team. Um, I appreciate your support of not only uh, community pharmacies, but also the the Pharmacy po- Podcast Network and, and getting these conversations out to other pharmacy owners.
1: You're quite welcome. I enjoyed being on with you today. And uh, it's always fun to connect with with some clients and, and talk business.
2: You were listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. We were talking with Bo Garman uh, with First Financial Bank. Uh, Part three of this series, you can find the rest of the series in the show notes. And Trent Moore, pharmacy operator and owner of five independent community pharmacies out there. And as always, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.